0: I'm Morgan Dennis, and this is Storied. When I was five, my dad and I were up at the top of our property, waiting for a friend of his to come and pick us up to go fishing. It was really early and dark, and our house sat back from the road down a long driveway, and I'm sure the light from the front porch would have been shining. So we were up there waiting, and we heard a little meow. My dad had a flashlight with him for getting up to the top of the driveway, and he started peering down with a flashlight into a brush. There were some blackberry bushes in the ditch, and the meow kept up, and he couldn't see anything, and, and I was he was going to give up, but I was like, no, there's a cat down there, there's a kitten down there. And so finally, he shone a light down into that thicket and there was a little black and white kitten staring up at us and he was way down there and it was hard for my dad to get him but I, I, I made him, I was five, but I made him go down and get this little kitten. So we brought it up and all the while the friend hadn't shown up yet And and my dad took it down to our house. We went down and we gave it to my mom, she was still in bed and we just gave her this little kitten to curl up next to her so we went and did our fishing, and I don't remember anything about that, but we came back, and she'd been playing with this little kitten, this little black-and-white kitten. It was probably six or seven, eight weeks, just so little. And and we kept that cat. We had a lot of cats growing up. We grew up in the country. I grew up in the country in Langford, and there were a lot of strays coming and going. My wife laughs at this because she, she thinks we were taking other people's cats, and maybe there was the odd one that we were... <laughs> We were accidentally taking, but there were just a lot of cats coming through. And so we had a bunch and we took them in. Sometimes they would stay outside. They were all outdoor cats, but there were kind of key cats that we had that were our main cats that lasted a while. And this cat, this black and white cat we named Monty, and, and he really outlived all of the others from from that era, and he moved with us when we moved out of Langford, and he just—he was a smart cat. He—he—he he, he obviously had smarts to stay alive. We lost cats to raccoons and cars and and just from running away. And he was one of those cats that just kind of stayed with me. And he was just my cat. I played with him. I was an only child. And when I was even in my teens, he always slept with me. And and so he lasted all this time. And I was twenty-one. So I was five when we found him, and I was 21, and he developed, he started developing a problem with his eye, and you know he was older by this time, and and he wasn't well, and and we had to put him down, and I remember that my parents had been going through a tough time, sort of. I mean, I, I they they had that I remember throughout my life had ups and downs but so when Monty we had to put Monty down my mom really wanted to have a vet come to the house at least this is how it's been how it was framed to me later by her she wanted to have a vet come to the house and put him down and have that experience so we didn't have to put him through anything and and apparently my dad didn't want to do that my dad wanted to she thought wanted to save the money and and take the cat in and and have him put down out of vet. so so apparently there was an argument about that, but I don't really remember that. But anyway, what I remember is driving with my dad to the vet's with Monty, and I remember taking him in, and I remember being there when he got the injections, and and it was for anybody who's experienced that it's a it's a hard thing to experience, but it's something that that is I think good to experience if you were really close to the animal so my dad and I did that and yeah I still remember that so the next day my mom left my dad actually and and you know whether or not it was her kind of waiting for you know, she also loved Monty and and waiting for that for that last sort of piece that was holding her home uh, to go away or or I mean I, I think she, Again, she kind of framed this with this disagreement and it was the last straw, whatever. But but that that was that was the next day. So my mother left my father and and I remember coming home. I remember hearing this from my mother, she told me and I was out and I was twenty one. I was I was about to leave home myself and I did actually leave home that year. But I remember coming home and my dad was she'd gone. She'd left. She had she had a studio she was a painter. She she painted on porcelain. She made jewelry. And so she had her own studio. It was a very successful business for a, for a brief window of time. And she went there and that's where she stayed. And she ultimately ended up getting a furnished apartment. But I came home and I remember just having to comfort my dad. I remember my dad had, I hadn't really seen him cry. I remember him in our living room and he had a Like a tea towel, like a a dish towel from the kitchen, and he just had that with him, and he was like using that as a Kleenex to cry. It was it was horrible, Uh, but but it was it was something that when my mom ended up dying years years later, uh, my dad was still, and they had been separated. They had been separated for many many years before she died. He came out for the service that my wife and I had for my mom, and and he was still very raw uh, about her. He really loved her, and it was it was yeah it was he was still in some ways. I think I had been really hit by the death death of my mother when she died, but I, I kind of got through it quite quickly, I think. And and my dad was he was very he was very upset when he was here still. So I bring all of this up because we actually just. A month ago, now lost one of our two cats. We had two cats, badger and scooter, both Siamese, uh, fourteen and and thirteen. scooter was the oldest one, fourteen, and he's the one that we just had to put down. He had diabetes, and and I thought of the story with my dad because I was really attached i to my both of my cats <laughs> badger and scooter. and in fact, when my wife and I were, thinking about having kids and and unsure about having kids and and especially i was unsure my wife was more sure that she wanted them but i wasn't and as most people do a lot of people do they think well let's try out having a pet uh, first and see how that goes and so scooter was the first one we got it was a lilac point siamese and then we got badger a year later and I really became attached to these cats. I mean, I'm used to being attached to cats and and I think because of the diabetes, managing the diabetes especially for the last 5 or 6 years, I had to give Scooter insulin twice a day and I think that extra uh bonded me more with Scooter uh, because of that and and Anyway, he died quite, quite quickly. He went downhill quite quickly. He, we just noticed that he was not doing well. He was, he was been losing weight the past few months. And so we, his, his blood sugar was, was okay, but it was, it was seemed like it was hard to actually get the right levels with his insulin. And over the course of, of three or four days, he just went so downhill that, we took him to the vet, and I had been actually before we could get a vet appointment. He was he was getting so low in weight, and he wasn't hungry. I was actually force feeding him because I needed food in him to get him his insulin. And we ended up taking him in, and the vet said, you know, he's really his temperature is going down, his 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 heartbeat is going down, and and we don't think he would make it. And they said, you know, it could be just a complication, it could be an infection, urinary infection or something like that, that's making his insulin wonky. And, and maybe, you know, you just treat that and he'll be okay. And maybe it's something worse. So anyway, it was, it was, he was 14. It was worth it enough to to try to do what we could for him. And so we took him to an overnight clinic, um, emergency clinic and kept him overnight. And we, we both actually felt like he would, he would perk up. We'd seen him sort of Go through several incidents with his diabetes and come through and anyway the next day the vet called and, and said there there he isn't showing any improvement actually and and he's so they recommended that we that we put him down and so we all went out there we drove out and i was we said our goodbyes to him and my wife and son we did end up having. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I have a son, a ten-year-old son. So we we waited some years after we had our cats, and we had Max, but we all went out there and said goodbye to him. And then those two, my wife and son, went to the car, and I stayed with him. And it was it was actually a much better experience than putting down my old cat Monty. Uh, scooter was he had a, an, a pick line in already, and he was they had sedated him a bit, so he was just very calm. And I was, I actually didn't know because my wife is, she knows that I'm more kind of sensitive about this stuff. And she offered to be there when he was put down, but I said, no, I want to be there. So I was there and it was really peaceful. And it, it was hard to let go of him though. It was hard to leave. And, and part of why I brought up, the story with with my dad is is I was quite upset and and my son saw me upset and and I think he actually saw me cry when my mom died but but that was four years ago now and I don't think he quite remembers it but anyway I I was Max had mentioned this and so I thought about my dad me seeing my dad cry and then Max seeing me cry and I think it was good for him to see that emotion and it was also the Really, the first—he was very close to the cats as well, and it was hard for him too. But but it was one of the first things that he's really seen like that, and and had to deal with. And I think he's been doing pretty well with it. Looking back on it now, with I guess a bit of a cooler head and some distance, I'm sort of surprised how much it it affected me. In the moment, I was—I feel like I was a bit rational. I when we left the vets, I. I I, we had decided to get the cat cremated. And when we got home, I started thinking, you know, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe, maybe we should have taken his body back and buried him in the backyard. One of the cats I had when I was a kid, we, we did that with. We, we buried him in the backyard. And my wife was like, no, we're not doing that. But it was a thought that I kept, it kind of kept on nagging at me. And I just wanted it, I wanted him. I didn't want to wait for his ashes i wanted i wanted him his body at the house and yeah it, it was I just wanted that and and then when we did get the ashes finally it was it was two weeks later, and I was kind of up and down in my emotions about it and so i it was it was getting sitting better with it but um but even then, I, I just thought, well, you know, should we scatter them or should we have them in a box? And I think ultimately there was just no good way to feel about it. Uh, and I was looking for a way to feel better about it. And and so I think it just obviously takes time. I also felt, and I I know this from grief with my mother, that I I didn't want when I started feeling better. I was feeling so bad. I was just. I, I was I just was so broken hearted about it that I I didn't want to to really let go of the the grief I didn't want to let go when I started feeling better I I kind of wanted to feel bad again and then I would and, and so it was a cycle like that but anyway it was it's I kept on asking my wife if she thought I was crazy and and she probably did <laughs> was looking up things on pet grief and sharing them with me and I think it's a real thing it's it's especially when it's associated with I think really big life events I mean I don't think it's any surprise in a way that the cats were you know they came from a a time when my wife and I were thinking about having kids and and it came from that big decision and and then linking it to what happened with my dad that kind of context that that upsetting personal history, that time. I almost wondered if it had something to do. There was some kind of link there in a way with with what I'd seen that, that last time losing a pet and my parents splitting up and, and really my life changing completely uh, after that point. I was going to move out anyway, probably that year. But there was just so much change and, and that hastened that change. And so we've been dealing with that change in our family. I mean, the cats were such a fixture in our lives or part of our family, and it's been hard for all of us to, we're just a, you know, there are three of us, my son, my wife, and me, and the cats, and we were all fixed fixture, and the cats, too, being Siamese, they're very, I was trying to explain this to friends, I mean, they're not just aloof cats that just sit in the background, they're a huge part of lives, they're more like dogs, really, Siamese cats, very vocal, and and we've always thought Scooter we had first for about a year before we got Badger, and, and Scooter was actually a I think could have been quite a good only cat in some ways. When Badger came along, it was, Badger was, was a really intense cat and kind of rocked everybody's world and changed things. And Scooter would have, Scooter loved Badger, but he would have been fine without him. But, but Badger is quite a, uh, he's more of a true seal point Siamese, very intense and needs a lot of attention. And so without Scooter around, he's, he, you know, he's been putting, asking us for a, uh, for a lot and we we're trying to give it to him. So a part of that has been us. We weren't sure about it at first, but it's we waited a few weeks, and we just actually got a new kitten that we're transitioning in our lives. We didn't want another Siamese. Uh, well, I sort of did, but my wife wanted a more generic, quieter cat. But we found um, a breed called a Snowshoe Siamese, and uh, so we picked up this cat... Two days ago, and and he's really it's really cute. He's, he's really quite something, and he rem- reminds me actually a lot of Scooter when Scooter was a kitten. Actually, similar markings except for the face; they're quite different. Um, the snowshoe Siamese has more of a V shape and some spots, but it's yeah, it's been interesting to see a cat that in some ways reminds. We didn't want to do that. I, I didn't want to get a cat that was like him, but he is. He's kind of like him at least in his in the way he looks. Anyway, he's a very sweet cat. It's he um he wants to sleep with us and and he's just he's really fun. But we're transitioning him with our other cat right now. It's actually not going that well and we're just trying to take through all the little steps you're supposed to take uh keeping them distanced, but it's it's another upheaval in our family and and we're just hoping that it all kind of will work itself out, but we were tempted to not get a cat and just wait and see what happens with Badger, but Badger's a really healthy cat and 13, I could see him living at least to 18, we'll see, but but he really, he really seemed to need a companion. I feel like that memory of finding Monty must sit at the very edge of what I can even remember in my life, being five. But it's certainly one of those memories that makes me feel like I've come full circle on it several times with my parents, with deciding to have a child or not, and, and now now with this situation. So that's what's been going on the last month or so. That week that we were dealing with Scooter was actually one of those first really beautiful weeks of May. And I remember thinking how it was just relentlessly beautiful. And thinking how I I really didn't want it to be. It was my mood wasn't aligned with that but it's been a nice spring and I've got only a few weeks left at work before my summer vacation starts and then get on the sabbatical. So thanks so much for listening to this and we'll see you next week.